Hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. There were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. Peace be with you. Uh, my name is Chase Woodhouse, as Paul said. Uh, I am a pastoral resident at Surgeon Galleria. Uh, if you have seen me up here before, that's different language than what I've used previously. Uh, that's because I was a church planting resident. Now I'm a pastoral resident. Um, very long story short, uh, I am joining with Surgeon Galleria to help in the replanting effort that's going on there. Uh, to replant Surgeon Galleria in that area um, for the glory of God, for the good of that community. I'm, I'm coming alongside Taylor and, and seeking eldership with uh, Surgeon Galleria, no longer planting a church. Now, I'm happy to go into details about that. That was a very long process, a lot of prayers, uh, a lot of talking with the Surgeon Houston elders, um, but it became very clear that that's where the Lord wanted us. So I want to share that since I haven't seen you since then. Uh, please come talk to me after about that if you want. Um, but to be honest with you, with you, I don't want to spend much time talking about me, talking about my life, or talking about what we're doing, because this text is very heavy. This text is so weighty, and if I were to summarize this text <clears throat> in one simple word, it would be repent. And when I think of the word repent, there are a couple things that come to mind, and I'm sure when, when you think of the word the same thing happens. It might not be the exact same thing as what I think, but the word definitely brings up responses within us. Oftentimes not responses that are um, joyful or excited. We don't like to necessarily hear the word repent. When I think of the word repent, I think of street preachers, people who stand on the street corner and preach a message to a crowd of people. Now, sometimes those preachers actually do preach the message of, of the Lord. They teach the gospel. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to do that. You can, we can debate and talk about the strategy of standing on the street corner in order to preach the gospel all day long. But if they're preaching the message of the word of the Lord, that's a good thing. But there are often street preachers that don't preach the message of Jesus. But they will scream out the word repent. And often the word repent is paired with this idea of essentially repent, God hates you. Repent, good luck. Repent, come back to, come to my lane of, of religious ideas and start obeying like I obey and then maybe you'll be okay. When I think of the word repent, that's where my mind goes first. It's to those 
street preachers. I think maybe for some of us in here, when we think of the word repent, our minds can go to, uh, man, that's, that's really difficult. What about the love of Jesus? What about grace? What about forgiveness? What about kindness? What about love? And all of those things are very true and very good. But sometimes I think what happens, especially if you've grown up in the church and, and have been in Christ for a while, is we look at a text like this and kind of gloss over it. Okay, that's, that's for people that are not Christians. That's for people outside of Christ. And what I want to show this morning, what I believe Jesus is saying to us this morning, is that there is a very clear call to repent. To repent of our sin. And that's weighty. That's heavy. That's difficult. And so what I want to do before we really dive into this text is I want to pray. I want to ask you if you want to use y'all's fancy little knee things for praying, which I love. I've had three knee surgeries, so those are awesome for, for my knees. But if you would like to kneel, I encourage you to. But I want us to pray together this morning before we dive into this text, asking the Lord to come and move in our hearts. Asking him to open our hearts to receive whatever he tells us. So will you join me in praying right now? <clears throat> Father, we come before you this morning asking that you would send the Holy Spirit to awaken our hearts. Help us to see our sin. Help us to see the ways that we have gone down the wrong way. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not push back against that, to not offer up excuses. But Lord, when you show us our sin, would you allow us to accept that that is where we are? And then, Father, I pray that the message of Jesus would pierce through all of that and we would run to him for forgiveness, for restoration. Father, I pray that you would move in our hearts this morning. Lord, move in mine. Cause me to repent. Cause us to repent that we might find life in you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So when the text begins, Jesus has been preaching to a group of people, uh, a, a group of Jewish people. And, and it starts off in, in chapter uh, 13, verse 1, and it says there was some present at that time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. We don't really see a question asked, but Jesus, uh, Luke actually says, and he answered them. So what we can basically conclude here is they're coming to Jesus and they're asking about an incident that had happened. Now, outside of the scriptures, there is no recording of this actual event, but there are many instances recorded in extra biblical texts that talk about how Pilate was terrible to the Jewish people, how he persecuted them, how he killed them and tortured them. So this, this idea that, that the Galileans would have, had, would have been killed while they were offering sacrifices, it's not foreign. It's not hard for, the, for, for us to believe that that really did happen. 
And the reason why the Jewish people are coming to Jesus and asking him this is there was this idea in the Jewish culture that if something bad happened to you, it was because you were a sinner. It was because you had done something wrong and God was punishing you for it. It's not that different today in our culture, is it? We just call it karma. Right? This idea of if something bad has happened to you, then you must have done something wrong. This was very prevalent in, in the culture. If you remember, um, the, the disciples asked Jesus uh, when they encountered a blind man, who sinned? This man or his parents? So there's this idea that if something bad happens to you, you are a sinner. And this, this group of people, they're coming to Jesus and they're saying, hey, what about these people? What about them? Were they really worse sinners? And, and let me say, I, I think that's a good question to ask. To ask, essentially, why do bad things happen? It's not a bad question at all. And in fact, I think if you have that question and have been wrestling with it for a long time, I encourage you to come talk to one of your pastors and elders. It's a great question to wrestle with. But Jesus doesn't take time to address that question because there's something more pressing. There's something more urgent that these people need to hear. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Then he continues on and he tells of another incident in Jerusalem where a tower fell on 18 people and killed them. And he essentially repeats the same thing. Do you think that these people in Jerusalem were worse than all the other sinners in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. Can you imagine for a second a, a Jewish person hearing this? This group of people that had grown up in the law, understanding that the, 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 their history that God had come and saved them. He had chosen their people. And, he, and when they were in Egypt, he came and delivered them out of slavery and brought them to the promised land. Then he gave them the law. Taught them the ways that they should go. How they should offer sacrifices for when they sinned. And then he gave them the tabernacle. A place where God would come and reside in the midst of that camp. In the center of that camp. And God would lead the people to the promised land. He would be a pillar of smoke or a pillar of fire as he led them to the promised land. And then when they got into the promised land, they were given it. And then they were sent the prophets to tell them to come back to the Lord. To go back to the Lord. And, and, and on and on I could go. The people of God that are listening to Jesus here truly think that they are righteous. They believe that they're righteous. They believe that they are righteous because they follow the law. And they follow it seemingly what they think perfectly. They offer their sacrifices. They keep the Sabbath. And in fact, what we know in this, in this time period is that they've actually kind of added to the scriptures. When you think about the Sabbath, right, and the Sabbath law, keep the Sabbath holy. What happened in this time was the Jewish people, the Pharisees, started adding to the Sabbath law. Telling them, hey, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do that, you don't need to do this. And they were 
keeping, keeping watch over the whole community, keeping the people within what they thought was the law. The whole culture at this time was that if you were to be righteous, you were to obey. And remember what Paul says. Paul says that when it came to following the law, he was blameless. They truly believed that they were righteous by their actions. And here is Jesus telling them, you think they were sinners because this happened to them? No. I tell you, unless you repent, something far worse will happen to you. That's shocking. Absolutely shocking to those people who truly thought that they were righteous. Who truly thought that they were righteous. But if they truly understood the law, if they actually examined themselves with the law, I think it would be very easy for them to see that they have failed. One of the Ten Commandments is do not lie. Anybody in here ever not lied? Anybody in here not a liar? Who lied this morning on the way to church, right? The law also says do not commit adultery. Jesus adds to that and says, or really clarifies that and says, if you ever looked at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. The law says do not murder. Jesus clarifies that and says whoever hates his brother has committed murder in his heart. On and on we could go when, they, when we examine the law, we see that we fail. And the Jewish people have really missed that by and large. Romans 7, Galatians 3, it shows us that the law was given that we might know that we are sinners. That we might know what righteousness is and that we might know that we have failed. I really want to try to convey how shocking this was for the Jewish people. For them to be told that they are unrighteous and that in fact the judgment of God was upon them unless they repented. Unless they repented, the judgment of God was upon them. Because when we sin, we must be punished. Did they not remember the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned once and were kicked out of the garden? We can look at the Jewish people and think, man, how did they miss this? How could they not see? But church, I think sometimes we do the same thing. There are some of us in here who, who think that because we come to church, that because we do good actions, because we read the Bible, because we've studied the Bible, because we tithe, because we go on mission trips, because we have prayed a prayer, because we've done all of these good things, or maybe, maybe you're not a Christian, and maybe you think that you're righteous because, man, I, I do good things. I love people. I care for people. I'm about justice. I want to see equality. I want to lift up impoverished nations. All of these things are good things. But if we are holding to them to find our righteousness, to say, this, God, this is what I can offer to you, it means absolutely nothing. Our good deeds are like filthy rags before the Lord. This is world-changing for these people to hear this message. 
I'm not righteous simply because I'm a Jewish person and I follow the law. And I want to convey to you this morning that if you think you're righteous because you're here this morning, because you do good things, because you try hard, may I gently and humbly inform you that you are not righteous. And unless you repent, the judgment of God is upon you. And I say that with a weight because we're all sinners. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all broken God's law. And here in this text, we're seeing Jesus call people to repentance. But he doesn't just stop there with an individual call to repentance. He's calling each person to examine their life and then repent. But first, actually, before I get into the corporate, I do want to define repentance. What does it mean to repent? In the Old Testament, the, the main metaphor for repentance was leaving your way and coming back to the way of God. Leaving your way and coming back to the way of God. That is what Jesus is calling the people to do. And again, think about that. These people think they have been following the way of God. And he's saying, you haven't been. You've missed it. And then he continues on and he tells this parable. A parable of a fig tree that's been planted in a vineyard and, and, and it's been there for three years and the owner comes to try to get fruit from it and there's no fruit still. And the owner's like, dude, just get it out. It's a waste of space. I would be super frustrated if I had a fig tree for three years and had no fruit. The owner says, get it out. And the vine dresser says, hey, let me, let me have one more year. Let me fertilize the soil. Let me prune some of the branches. Let me work with it to see if we can get some fruit to come from it. And then if not, we'll remove it. And then if not, we'll remove it. So what is this parable? What does this mean? Well, in the Old Testament, the people of God, Israel, was often referred to uh, in a metaphor as a botanical plant. Multiple times they're actually referred to as a fig tree. So when they're listening, they've already heard this call that they have to repent. Lest they perish. Lest something worse happen to them. Now they hear this parable where Jesus is saying that a fig tree, their people, the nation of Israel, if they don't bear fruit, will now be uprooted. It's gone from an individual call to repentance to a corporate call to repentance. The people of God were straying away from the way of God. And Jesus is warning them, unless you repent, unless you bear fruit, you will be uprooted. Now we can look at this and we can think back on history and think back to 70 A.D., when Jerusalem and the temple were burnt totally, utterly destroyed, and the people of God were scattered. That is the fig tree being uprooted. This call to repentance, this call of warning to come back to the way of the Lord was not heeded by the people of God, and so the Lord uprooted them and allowed things to be burnt down. 
Now, as Christians, we look at this and we think, well, okay, this doesn't really apply to us. Because if we believe in Jesus, we are saved and his forevermore. Yes. Amen. When you believe in Jesus, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit and you are his forever. But we should not discard this parable because this can happen to churches. Think of Revelation. Think of Revelation 2 when, 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 the, when Jesus calls the church to come back to the first love lest their lampstand be removed. When he calls them to go back to doing good deeds, when he calls them to kick out false teachers, when he calls them to remove the Jezebel within their midst. All of these calls and warnings are there that unless they continue on the way of God, unless they continue on in repentance and following Jesus, their lampstand will be removed. And this is what happened. Jerusalem is no longer the hub of Christianity. Look at Europe. It's no longer the hub of Christianity. Can an individual lose their salvation? Absolutely not. Can God remove the blessing, his blessings from a church? I believe yes. So this, this text, this barren fig tree that doesn't produce fruit is a warning to us as a church. The church in America, the evangelical church, sojourn Houston, sojourn Heights. If we do not repent and love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, if we do not persist in good deeds, if we do not lay aside the sin that so easily entangles and run after Jesus, if we aren't focused on loving our neighbors, sharing the good news with them, caring about their eternal souls over our retirement, if this place is not a house of prayer for all the nations, if we aren't truly leaving aside everything and running after Jesus because he is life, then there's a possibility that the lampstand may be removed. The blessing of God may be removed. So in this text, what we're seeing is a call to repentance. You and I are sinners. We have broken God's law. We deserve punishment. And... As a church, if we do not persist in loving God and repenting, doing good works that he has called us to do, then we can have our lampstand removed. And the call in all of this is to repent, to leave your way and to come back to the way of the Lord. Now, let's be honest. That's daunting. Because if we think of the way of the Lord as obeying the law, it's impossible. What can we do? How can we, how can we follow the way of the Lord? How can we be righteous? How can we perfectly follow the law? We're having to repent. We've already messed up. If, if, we're, if we're repenting to go into self-righteousness and to try to obey the law of the Lord in order to gain righteousness, we're going to go right back to our own way. It's not going to work. In John 14, Jesus says something that up until I was studying for this text didn't strike me too much. I mean, it's, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but I didn't connect it here. Jesus in John 14 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man can come to the Father except through me. Remember what the Old Testament, the main metaphor was for repentance. Leaving our way and coming back to the way of the Lord. Church, the way of the Lord to obtain righteousness is not following the law. It's Jesus. He is the way of God. So when Jesus is calling us to repent here, he's not calling us to leave our sin and to try harder, to do better. I'm not saying that we don't try to obey. Hear me out. He's not calling us to leave this and to run after self-righteousness. What he is calling us to do is to leave our way and come to him. In him we find the righteousness of God. Because when Jesus came down to this world, he lived the perfect life, never sinned. And when he came willingly to the cross, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. And on that cross, Jesus has our sin, and he's dying on the cross and absorbing the wrath of God. What he says here, that if you don't repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus took that. And then three days later, conquered death. So that now anyone who repents, anyone who leaves their way, who says, man, I am sinful. I can't do this. I have no righteousness of my own. Whoever leaves that and in faith comes to the way of God, who is Jesus, they receive the righteousness of God freely. And then when we receive the righteousness of God, the good news of the gospel doesn't just stop there. You don't just get Jesus' righteousness and then you try to keep doing good actions. No, the next chapter, John 15. I think I can quote this. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains in me and I in him, apart from him, apart from me, he can do nothing. Did I do that right? Ah, darn it. Here it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. The good news of the gospel doesn't just stop when, okay, now I've left my way. I've repented because I see that I'm a sinner. And, and now I've come to Jesus because he is the way. He is the righteousness. But now, if I'm going to continue bearing fruit, I need him. You are so dead you can't do anything good. You cannot do anything good apart from Jesus. And the scandal of the gospel, the literal scandal of the gospel is that you're so dead and you've rebelled against God and I've rebelled against God so much and God loves us so much that he came to be the way and then he came to help you follow the way. You can't do it. So when he's calling these people to, to produce fruit as a corporate body, as a people of God, he's calling them to come to him. The reason why their fig tree was uprooted was because they rejected the Messiah. Church, do not reject Jesus for an idol. There are so many idols in our culture right now garnering for your attention. So, so many. And if we are not careful, if we don't walk in repentance, constantly repenting, we will miss and lose out on the blessings of God. 
I'm not saying you will lose your salvation. That is not what I'm saying, but I am saying the blessings of God can be removed. Church, this is a heavy text. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you have not come to him and left your way, realize, hey, I can't do it. My good actions, my being a good church member, my Bible reading, my all these things, it means nothing. It's filthy rags before God. I am so, so much, I, I lie constantly. If you break the law once, look what happened in Adam and Eve. Why are we thinking that just one, one accidental law break? I mean, dude, come on, we sin all the time. We cannot trust our own righteousness, so leave it and run to the way. Run to Jesus. So if you have not done that this morning, or if maybe you're realizing for the first time, okay, hey, you know what? I, I think I've been trusting too much in my own righteousness. I don't think I've ever really trusted in Jesus for forgiveness for my sins. Then come. He's ready and willing to receive you and to give you his righteousness. And then as you remain in him, he produces fruit in you. And for those of us in here who are believers, may we continue on this path of repenting. Our hearts are prone to wander. Do you feel it? Prone to leave the God we love. We must be diligent in leaving sin and running after the way and trusting that the way can produce in us fruit. This church has an opportunity to be a strong, beautiful, gracious, truthful light in heights. But it won't start. I'm not saying it hasn't started. But it won't grow. It won't expand unless we're repenting and coming back to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning grateful for your good news, grateful that you have called us out of darkness, out of our sin. You have called us to leave our way and to come to you. Father, I pray that we as a church would run to you, would trust in you for the forgiveness of our sins, that we would trust in you for our ability to obey you, that we would seek to have you help us. Lord, that we would remain close to you. Thank you for the good news of the gospel that you have come to rescue us and you have come to help us to obey you until you bring us home. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.